talked about so much now. No, I don't think so. I think that we uh, uh, we're talking about a food security uh, and a technology self reliance. It's it's uh, income is not a, a priority. Mm. So self reliance is going to be the word in this next uh, this next conclave. It sounds like from what you're saying. Yeah, I think so. Andy, always a pleasure to talk to you. Enjoy the rest of the uh, the National Week holidays. Thank you very much for coming onto the programme this morning. That's Shanghai-based independence economist Andy Shi. You're listening to Money Talk on RTHK Radio Three. Uh, let's have a look at the markets this morning. They really are surging ahead at the moment. Over in Japan, the Nikkei 225 is up about uh, 1.5%. Looks like the Hang Seng is going to add about 1.4%, at the open. Uh, gold's rallying a little bit. It's at $1,901 an ounce. Uh, Brent crude oil trading at $39.71 a barrel. Not too much movement in the currency markets this morning, given the uh, the circumstances and all the news that's going on. The US dollar's trading at a f- 105.5 Japanese yen. And the British pound is at $1.29.5 right now. Thank you very much for listening this morning. Do please stay tuned for Back Chat with Hugh Cheverton and Mike Rouse in just a moment. Weather forecast, mainly cloudy with showers. Those showers are going to be heavy and there's going to be squally thunderstorms at first. Uh, the maximum temperature is going to be about 30 degrees. There is an amber rainstorm warming in, warning in force and a thunderstorm warning in force as well. And it's going to be, uh, the outlook is for it to be windy with sunny periods in the next few days. Slightly cooler in the morning. Temperature is 26 degrees, 97% relative humidity. 8.32, here's Samantha Butler, here's Pierre Tremblay with the half-hour news. President Trump has taken a short car trip to wave at supporters gathered outside the hospital where he's being treated for COVID-19. Mr. Trump appeared in the back of his armored SUV wearing a face mask and waving at well-wishers. Doctors treating President Trump says he's recovering well and might be discharged later today. Shortly before his unexpected appearance, he tweeted a video of himself. I also think we're going to pay a little surprise to some of the great patriots that we have out on the street. And they've been out there for a long time, and they've got Trump flags, and they love our country. So I'm not telling anybody but you, but I'm about to make a little surprise visit. The BBC's David Willis says the brief appearance was designed to send a message. The motorcade travelled about half a mile down the street before doing a U-turn and heading back into the hospital. It's a sign, perhaps, that um, the president wants to send his own message, that um, he is better than perhaps some believe him to be at the moment. He's been apparently unhappy with what his doctors have been saying, what his chief of staff, Mark Meadows, has been having to say. And um, he added in that uh, video address uh, posted on Twitter that it's been an interesting journey. I've learned a lot about COVID. Um, This is the real school. I get it and I understand it. President Ilham Aliyev of Azerbaijan has asked Armenia to set a timetable for withdrawing from the disputed region of Nagorno-Karabakh as a condition for ending military action. In a televised address, Mr. Aliyev also demanded an apology from Armenia. His statement came as fighting intensified between the two sides. Martin Schweb of the International Committee of the Red Cross expressed concern about civilian casualties. Our worry is that the use of such heavy weaponry uh, can result in indiscriminate uh, shelling of towns, cities or other populated areas. And we really urge all sides to take all feasible precautions in order to protect civilians and spare civilian lives in the conduct of hostilities. 
Officials in southeast France say two bodies have been found in flood water as the search goes on for at least eight people reported missing after a major storm. Two more people were earlier confirmed dead on the Italian side of the border and four more bodies have been found on beaches in Liguria. For the eighth successive Sunday, tens of thousands of opposition supporters have protested in Belarus against President Alexander Lukashenko's disputed election victory. Russian sources put the numbers at around 70,000, down from the peak of more than 100,000. Onlookers waved red and white banners, shouted encouragement from neighboring apartment blocks. The campaign group Vyasna said at least 90 people had been arrested. Next news at night. Good morning and welcome to Backchat. I'm Hugh Chuss and your co-host today is Mike Rouse. Latest developments in COVID-19 in Hong Kong and in the United States. First this morning as President Trump tests positive and goes to hospital. Health authorities in Hong Kong say they will quarantine staff and patrons of a bar in Chim Sa Choi who were present at the same time as a 22-year-old student who was confirmed on Saturday. The government says, and uh, on other issues, the government says it strongly deplores and opposes a statement by the U.S. State Department condemning the police arrest of more than 80 people during unauthorized protests on Thursday. In a statement issued late on Saturday, Washington said it was outraged by what it called the arbitrary arrests made on October the 1st. It accused the government of repressing peaceful public opinion and using law enforcement for political purposes. Do you agree? Let us know your thoughts, your comments, your questions. Very, very welcome. You can leave a message on our Facebook page, of course. That's Backchat on RTHK Radio 3. Or you can email us. Our address backchat at rthk.hk. Or you can call us. And our telephone number is 233-88266. is the number. Just an update uh, on the weather because uh, half our staff can't get in, in because of the traffic uh, disruption caused by uh, caused by the weather. Well, now there's a red rainstorm warning as well as the uh, thunderstorm warning. Uh, and the forecast for today is uh, mainly cloudy with showers. So severe disruption, I've got to say, to a, to a, to a lot of the traffic. Uh, Mike will be along uh, in a moment. Uh, in the meantime, uh, just to catch up, first of all, on some uh, a few emails uh, relating to our discussion uh, last week. It was last uh, Wednesday, wasn't it? It seems like a world ago. Uh, OK, we were talking then about uh, cyclists uh, in part. Jay says another little bit of job creation to make a little passageway in the cycle track where you can get on and off side roads and villages so we'll be able to employ a few more planners and a bit more roadworks. Hugh says, can anyone in government ride a bike? They can't see it as viable transportation. Um, on the protests, Andrew Kay says, short hair was at the front of an illegal march this morning so I expect to see him arrested soon. Uh, and Derek says, like most I was shocked but not entirely surprised by Trump testing positive for COVID-19. Still waiting to learn of the ramifications of this news, including how this affects the US presidential election, confirmation of Judge Barrett to the Supreme Court, and just how many White House officials have been infected by someone who's rarely worn a mask. Uh, and Derek also adds, having just recently tested positive, I don't think Trump should be breaking quarantine to go on a drive, a drive-by photo op, putting the lives of the Secret Service agents in the car with him in danger. 
Yeah, that's uh, Derek's observation. We want to hear from you, of course. Back chat at rthk.hk. Joining us for the first part of the programme up to uh, nine o'clock this morning, we have uh, now Professor Benjamin Cowling, head of the Division of Epidemiology and Biostatistics at the School of Public Health at the University of Hong Kong, and uh, Dr. Sridhar Siddharth uh, is uh, he's a clinical assistant professor in the Department of Microbiology at the uh, University of Hong Kong. Good morning to both of you, um, ben, 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 Professor Cowling. Maybe we'll start with you. Uh, good to talk to you again. Um, so it was a bit of a bombshell, wasn't it, <laughs> about uh, Trump? Uh, what do you make of that? And is it is it plausible that he could be coming out of hospital uh, today, uh, Monday, having just spent a weekend? That's quite an unusual kind of progress of the disease, isn't it? Yeah, it seems like there was a an outbreak maybe in one of the events last week to do with the Supreme Court nomination, and there's a lot of infections in the White House. I'm not sure if Trump himself is the the person infecting other people. He may be just one of the, the infections in that outbreak. And we know for the, someone of his age, age 74, there's a low risk of getting really severely ill, maybe a 3% risk of mortality, but actually probably 80% of people in his age, in his uh, health condition, will be fine with COVID, will be maybe mild symptoms for a few days and then fully recover back to normal. So I wouldn't be surprised if he gets out of hospital very soon and back to full strength within a week or two. That would be my guess. Uh, he's, most, I guess, the most high-profile person in the world to have, to have uh, caught the uh, disease. Is this going to sort of change attitudes? Is it going to colour the way that people see the progress of the epidemic, do you think? I think it's a really good opportunity for Trump to come out and say that maybe he was slightly wrong about COVID before, but now he fully understands what it's like after having it himself. And not to say that he hasn't been taking it seriously, but maybe he's going to take it even more seriously than before. It is really difficult for political leaders to balance not only the, the, the health uh, measures that are needed to control COVID, but also keeping the economy on track. And I think maybe it's an opportunity for him to, to look at things again and, and see how to do things differently in the next few months. Or, given that he sort of got sick and got well, if he has, you know, if that's the way it goes uh, so quickly, he might take it less seriously, or people might take it less seriously. Well, let's see. Let's see. Hmm. Uh, okay, uh, Dr. Uh, Sudar, good morning to you. Thank you very much indeed for, for, for joining us. Uh, what do you make about this, uh, you know, as, as, a, as a doctor, as a microbiologist, um, Trump's uh, uh, illness and fairly rapid recovery, it seems? Yeah, well, I think uh, we must also bear in mind that he has some of the best medical care available on the planet at the moment. He has received uh, at least three therapeutics that they are aware of. He's received a remdesivir. He's received a very uh, new kid on the block, the monoclonal antibody cocktail. And uh, we just heard that he's also received dexamethasone. So these are uh, three agents, two of which have been shown in clinical trials to be of at least some benefit to people with COVID-19 and uh, exciting new experimental drug. Now, how much these have contributed to seemingly quick recovery are uncertain. And um, we must also remember that we're still in the early stages of this, and what's going to happen over the next few days is still uncertain because people tend to go into a, a kind of critical phase of COVID-19 during the second week of illness, at least some people. So uh, it, 
it, it, it really remains to be seen. I think there's still early days as far as, as far as it's concerned, and I hope that he makes a speedy recovery like the majority of people with uh, COVID-19. But uh, the, the, the treatment that he's receiving has been an interesting aspect of all this because it really affects uh, you know, how people perceive these uh, very new and experimental treatments. Mm. Dr. Sridhar, good morning. They were, they were talking on the uh, press conference of several more days' treatment at the White House whenever he does f- finally get discharged from the hospital. R- roughly how long do you think we're talking about? Yeah, I think that should be referring to the remdesivir, and that would be a five-day treatment. Um, as per the clinical, clinical trial finding numbers, I've seen five days versus ten days of treatment. Right. I, I, I suppose they'd be finishing that off, and uh, the dexamethasone is also a regimen, so that would also be continued probably in oral form. The monoclonal antibodies are a one-off, so I would imagine that's what they're talking about, continuing treatment in the White House. And the, Anderson also has very advanced medical facilities. Right. They were also a bit evasive. I'm not using that too negatively. But they seemed to duck and weave a bit on whether there was any evidence of damage to his lungs. Yeah, it's very interesting because uh, the fact that he received dexamethasone is quite telling because the, uh, the, the clinical data out to date is very clear that dexamethasone should only be used in people oxygen twice i think on friday yeah their yeah. time so that yeah. ties in that ties in rather well i think the other area of concern is how many other people did he infect when he was at the sort of acute infectious stage he went to a yeah, fundraiser know. didn't he mm-hmm. it's quite alarming it's quite alarming it, it looks like a superstar event i would say like uh Based on based on based on your uh, research from Hong Kong, it really looks like one of those typical super spreader events, especially the Rose Garden uh, event with the uh, confirmation of the judge and all that. So, right. And the thing about the fundraisers is, if you want them to give money, you've got to go around shaking hands and getting up close to them. Absolutely, it's really alarming. Uh, and getting in the car and going for a little drive. <laughs> Uh, that's uh, that's an unusual activity for a patient, isn't it? Put it mildly. <laughs> uh, do, I mean, we've already had a comment there that who was putting you know the Secret Service and people with him uh, at risk. Uh, do, would you agree with that? Is that how you'd see it? Um, it is. It is possible if he wasn't wearing a mask, if he was in very close proximity with them in. Uh, in no areas, uh, it, it's, it's certainly possible. So it really, it really depends. We, we don't know enough on when the testing was, uh, was, was exactly performed. Now there's some information to suggest that he had an initial positive test and then uh, he waited for a confirmatory test and still went about some activities during that period. So, I mean, there's a, there are a lot of unknowns here, so it remains to be seen. 
Sure. Professor Cowling, let's, let's turn back to, to Hong Kong for a little while. So we, um, I think since we last spoke, there's been a sort of steady uh, low numbers uh, in Hong Kong. Uh, and uh, recently just uh, concern over that case in, in a bar. Uh, uh, with, on the other hand, we have the temples and churches, places of worship. Uh, those are opening, the beaches uh, remain closed. So the sort of mixed signals, I guess. How, how would you say the, uh, the pandemic is progressing over the past week or so? I guess we should enjoy these few days and maybe the next few weeks because my gut feeling is that the fourth wave is on the way fairly soon. And I'll, say, I'll explain why, why I'm saying that. Because we've got cases in the community where we don't know how they got infected. That means there must be other cases that we don't know about. And in fact, when we reflect back on the mass testing exercise in September, that also told us that whenever we see a case in the community that's detected, there will be others that we've missed because the mass testing picked up those other cases that were, were being missed. At the same time, we've relaxed social distancing. We have lots of people gathering together, as you mentioned just now. And so there's opportunities for infection to spread. And sooner or later, the virus will take one of those opportunities, whether it's in the bar uh, that you mentioned, whether it's in another one of these gatherings. So I think fairly soon we're going to see some outbreaks and maybe that's going to develop into our fourth wave by mid to late October. It will be clear. I hope not, but, but that's my gut feeling. Uh, and then we'll have to start thinking about bringing back the social distancing measures that we needed in March and also again in July to control the second wave and the third wave. Of course, we're coming into the flu season, aren't we? There's actually no flu in Hong Kong. It's remarkable. So if we look back in the last 10 years, then there's almost never been a month when we have zero people admitted to hospital with flu. Even outside of flu seasons, there's always a little bit of flu about. But since February, there's been almost zero people admitted to hospital in Hong Kong with flu. Zero month on month on month on month. It's completely gone. And I don't see how flu could get back into Hong Kong with the measures that we've got in place with the 14-day quarantines or the, the, the reductions in travellers. So maybe this winter... It's the first winter where we don't have a, a flu season for, for ever, I guess. Because the normal time for flu shots is the second half of October. Yeah, so the flu shots will go ahead as planned. If we were to have a flu season, it would be really, really beneficial that the vulnerable people are vaccinated, healthcare workers are vaccinated and so on. So the flu vaccination campaign is going to go ahead. But my, again, my hunch, my gut feeling is that we're not going to have any flu this winter because I don't see how it could get in. But, but it's still a sensible precaution to get right. flu vaccination. So you would recommend still getting the, the vaccination? Of course, if we don't get vaccinated and there is a flu season, then we're going to be kicking ourselves about why, why didn't we? There's no harm to getting a flu shot. Hmm. But the hand-washing and the social distancing will help us with the flu. Right, so we saw back in uh, the end of January, early February, flu disappeared before it was expected to. It went away very, very quickly because of the social distancing measures, the hand-washing and the masks that we use for COVID. And so if, if there was going to be flu in Hong Kong this winter, at the same time there's still COVID about, the measures that we'd be using for COVID would get rid of flu as well. Okay, some uh, questions and comments on uh, uh, emails. Okay, uh, S says, last week during the official celebrations, a lot of senior officials were seen on TV footage without masks and mingling without social distancing. Were they breaking any laws? 
Uh, and uh, Dennis from Lama says, I'm really surprised that no one realises that uh, with this alleged infection, Trump will be able to miss the next debate without appearing to be a coward, become a sympathetic victim of the pandemic and reappear cured just before the election. Such a low scam would be entirely within the scope of this man. That comes, uh, say, from Dennis from uh, Lama. Uh, Anna says, a question for Dr Cowling. Uh, how can we keep getting arrivals from countries like the Philippines, Nepal and India who test positive on arrival in Hong Kong when we know they were tested before boarding the flights in these countries? Are they not really being tested or are our tests giving false positives? How many of these who test positive on arrival here go on to get ill? Those questions from Anna. Professor Cowling, do you know, or Dr. Sridhar? Oh, I don't know. Maybe you can ask uh, Dr. Sridhar. That's, that's a good question. Uh, any insight, Dr. Sridhar? Well, um, not specifically, but I am aware that uh, some countries like India have uh, put in a lot of effort on rapid testing. So they're arranging what they call um, antigen detection tests on, uh, so that you have a quick answer. These tests, uh, the results are out very, very quickly within a matter of, uh, well, within half an hour, for example. So those tests, uh, the caveat to interpretation is that they tend to be less sensitive, perhaps, uh, than the PCR tests that we're using in Hong Kong. So it's still possible that you're missing a few uh, a few cases who then board airplanes and then uh, arrive in Hong Kong and are detected at a more sensitive test. So that is uh, possible. As mm. far as the positivity rate in new arrivals goes, I, I don't have access to that data, so I wouldn't. I wouldn't be entirely sure. Okay. Uh, Leon uh, says, with the subject line, hotel quarantine policy, the Hong Kong government, correctly in my view, recently added Britain to its list of high-risk countries for COVID-19, a move that means that travellers from there have to test negative for COVID-19 before departure and then have to quarantine in a hotel upon arrival to the city. But given the spike in cases across Europe, why haven't other high-risk countries such as France, Spain, etc., been added to the list. By turning returnees from these countries to quarantine at home, there will unquestionably be greater risk than that they could spread the virus to other members of their household who had not travelled, who are free to move unencumbered across Hong Kong. Government should either add these countries to the list or require all members of the household who had not travelled uh, to also be quarantined at home for the entire 14 days. That comes uh, from uh, Leon. Uh, Dr Cowling, any thoughts on that? Do you agree? Uh, it's a sensible suggestion. I'm not sure if, if logistically it's going to be very easy to implement that. But certainly I think we need to look at the list of countries that we consider high risk and what we do with them. Because I agree with the caller that the UK is not the only one in, in, in the situation of having a lot of local cases at the moment. I'm aware of cases uh, myself where people are so-called uh, quarantining at home. But uh, I have to say I wonder whether they're as strict about it as they would be if they were in a hotel. Mm. And uh, that, is, that seems to me to be a loophole. You come back and you're living with three other people. You're supposed to stay in your own room uh, for the whole time and not mingle with those others. But as soon as you come out uh, to use the bathroom or whatever, whatever, the, the risk of you mingling is very high. I think that's been a loophole all along. We've talked about this before in, in months ago, talked about the loophole of home quarantine as opposed to hotel quarantine. But but then we also know there's there's potential issues with hotel quarantine in Australia. They had uh, they're having an outbreak now in Melbourne, resulting from transmission in in hotel quarantine that's supposed to be highly secure. So 
I mean, there are issues whichever way you do it. And we know that the virus will find a way in. We have the loopholes anyway, the maritime and the air crew and so on. So I think we have to choose a solution that's kind of reasonable, not too disruptive, but at the same time, you know, justified in terms of public safety and public health. Right. For the last month or so, we've had zero or low single digits for uh, locally uh, mm. transmitted cases. Um, and if we have our fourth wave, um, you think, uh, you say it's coming, and we, those numbers will probably go up. What, what sort of tolerable level could we reach? Are we okay so if we I, stay I, below I think 20? If you remember back to July, right. we started off very small. We started off just a handful a day, five a day, and then it went up to 10 a day, and then it went up to 20 a day. But you have to recognize in July we learned this, in March we learned this, the, the cases that you see today are not the same as the infections that have been occurring today. And when case numbers are rising, if you delay impl implementing social distancing, what you're going to see is the numbers get higher and higher and higher before they turn a corner. And that happened to us in July. Right. I think on the 14th of July, uh, restaurant measures were introduced and bars were closed. 21st of July, work from home policy. And numbers still went up for another 10 days. It was about the end of July that we turned the corner with 100 plus cases a day for many, many days. And so although it might seem like 20 cases a day is still a low number, if we wait until 20, 30, 40 cases a day to bring back social distancing, we could well see peaks of 100 or more cases a day. And that's what I'd be looking for, uh, you know, concerned about over the next month is how quickly case numbers come up and then how quickly social distancing measures are brought back in. Right, because they build up like a wave. It's, it's exponential growth. Yes. So it goes five a day, ten a day, twenty a day, forty a day, eighty a day over the space of a few weeks. My impression is that work from home is related to that. Now, whether it's a causal connection or not, I don't know, but it seems that when people work from home, you get, you get a downward slope for infections and when people return it it jumps up again and perhaps schools yeah i think well. i think bar closure karaoke closure nightclub closure all those leisure facilities closure is also really important hmm. we learned that in march and we learned it again in july exactly the same thing happened both times so when we have relaxation of measures from week to week case numbers tend to grow and then once we bring in the the bar closures cancelling the mass gatherings like the religious services restaurant measures, and then working from home for civil service and for private businesses. When all those measures are in place, case numbers tend to fall from week to week. But there's a lag in terms of the effect of the intervention becoming clear of maybe a week or two. So we saw that in March. We saw it again in July. And that's the lesson that we need to learn for the fourth wave, that the sooner we bring back those measures, the quicker the fourth wave will be over. But of course, then we're going to be having measures relaxed and then maybe need to bring them back again maybe fifth wave maybe sixth wave over the next six months yeah dr sridhar have we learned yeah. anything can we can we fine-tune this a little bit do we know that bars you know and beaches and churches would we have an idea of the relative importance the relative risk that they that they pose now yeah, I think we have uh, gained a lot of experience over the last few months in terms of uh, how to control localized uh, COVID-19 outbreaks. And we, we kind of know the hotspots associated with COVID-19 transmission, as Professor Calvin just mentioned, restaurants and bars being up there, mostly indoor areas, uh, such as uh, such as was illustrated 
during the temple outbreak, uh, etc. So these are the kind of settings in which a lot of COVID-19 transmission occurs. So now should, uh, I mean, I fully agree with Professor Carling that we are now uh, possibly facing a fourth wave of the, of the infection in Hong Kong. And if uh, that should occur, then we at least have a toolkit of measures that we can implement hopefully rapidly enough to uh, control spread as soon as possible. And these would include a combination of things depending on what we know of where transmission is occurring at the time. For example, again, echoing Professor Cowling about the quick uh, restaurant and bar closures mm. or uh, introduction of work from home from civil servants, etc. So I think uh, what we mostly learned over the last few months is that things have to be done very, very quickly does that and mean, uh, efficiently. Does that mean we could also maybe still ease up a little with beaches and, and swimming pools? I noticed that beaches are still closed and swimming pools have opened, but with restricted uh, attendance. Um, if it's the indoor ones that are the most dangerous. Yeah, well, generally speaking, outdoor areas, uh, well, obviously they're better ventilated, so the, uh, uh, the, the possibility of uh, the COVID-19 transmission would drop somewhat compared to a coolly ventilated indoor area. So as long as you have some way of, uh, you know, uh, 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 encouraging social distancing and maintaining an adequate distance between people in these kind of uh, beaches, uh, then the, uh, the, the risks would actually be manageable at this point of time. That could be my feeling. Perhaps Professor Garland could supplement. Yeah, any thoughts on that, Professor Garland? Yeah, I, I, I said like a month ago that beaches are really, really safe. It's mm. much safer to go to the beach than to go to a bar. Uh, I, I don't understand because we've seen pictures over the weekend of people crowding into the non uh, the, the non uh, regulated area. So people are swimming in the sea outside of the shark net yeah. because inside yeah. is closed, and it, 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 oh. the, the mind boggles about why beaches wouldn't be safe at this point when almost everything else is open. Beaches is probably one of the safest places in Hong Kong to avoid COVID. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you very much indeed for, for that. Uh, Professor Benjamin uh, Cowling there, head of the Division of Epidemiology and Biostatistics at uh, the School of Public Health at the University of Hong Kong and for, also from the University of Hong Kong Department of Microbiology, uh, Dr. Siddharth Sridhar, Clinical Assistant Professor. We're going to be talking about the protests uh, after the news at nine. We want to hear from you. Chip in. The weather, mainly cloudy with showers. There's a red rainstorm warning at the moment as well as a thunderstorm warning. The showers will be heavy, severe traffic, disruption around town as well. 26 degrees now, humidity is at 96%. This uh, Monday morning, wet and uh, rainy. We were hearing there about the traffic problems going towards Hong Kong Island, but Mike, you were saying it was pretty severe going to Kowloon. I left uh, Hong Kong Island, well, mid-levels at 7.30 sharp, and it took us ages, more than 40 minutes to get into the tunnel. Luckily, we were in the right-hand lane, and the right-hand lane did move, albeit not quickly. The left-hand lane is a shambles. It's buses nose to tail all the way from the discharge point after the tunnel right the way back through to Hong Kong Island. Oh, I was coming in from Saikung, and that took three times as long as yeah. as usual. Yeah, very very severe. And very severe rain as well, very, very heavy rain. And there was, for a long time, there was uh, no warning, and then there was a, then there was a number. The red is uh, there now, as well as the uh, thunderstorm. Some interesting warning. flooding points as well. At one point, we, we sort of, everyone held back and then took it at a run to make sure they got through the swimming pool. 
yeah, hoping we weren't walking by at the time. Uh, in the second part of the programme today, we wanted to turn to uh, events uh, over the uh, national holiday, the uh, protests, um, uh, which were such as they were, uh, and the arrests. Some uh, 80, more than 80 people uh, arrested at the time. Uh, response from uh, Washington and then response to Washington's response from the uh, Hong Kong uh, government as well. Uh, the uh, government in Hong Kong says it strongly deplores and opposes a statement by the U.S. State Department uh, condemning uh, the arrests. Uh, Washington said it was outraged by what it called arbitrary arrests made on October the 1st. It accused the SAR of repressing peaceful public opinion and using law enforcement for political purposes. Uh, but the Hong Kong government uh, said uh, yesterday the uh, arrests were absolutely lawful and necessary to maintain law and order in society and protect the life and property of Hong Kong uh, residents. And in a speech on National Day, uh, Carrie Lam uh, lashed out at foreign governments who've been criticising Hong Kong saying the legislation has restored social order to the SAR after months of anti-government uh, protest. She said she and her administration are committed to fully implementing the legislation uh, imposed in July uh, by uh, Beijing. Uh, for comment, uh, we're joined now by Icarus Wong, founder of Human Rights Observer, and Alan Lung, governor of the Path of Democracy. And uh, as ever, we want to hear from you. Backchat at rthk.hk with your, your take, your thoughts. Uh, Icarus Wong, first of all, Good morning to you. Good morning. Uh, w what do you make of the uh, of what happened on uh, a national day on October the first? Uh, we can see that people will try to uh, gather and express their view uh, in uh, the course with the uh, area, but uh, this was not successful. The police they take uh, very quick actions to disperse or to contest, stop and search, and also they arrest uh, over eighty uh, people. Uh, they, they took very, we, we observed that they take very uh, quick action when they hear uh, there were some people Chinese slogan or so, uh, displacing a uh, banner or pay card. Uh, and uh, we, we think that uh, the police, they are trying to use uh, mass arrest and uh, stop and search uh, to deter people. They are uh, gathered uh, together, even they, uh, they did nothing uh, violence. They did nothing uh, uh, peaceful, and uh, and I think this is the new strategy uh, because when we see that uh, in the recent uh, police operation, they tend to uh, make uh, mass arrests. For example, uh, in the first of uh, July, uh, they uh, arrest uh, around uh, three hundred and thirty. Uh, 70 people, and uh, in the 6th of uh, September, they arrest uh, 300 people, and uh, this time, in the national day, they uh, arrest uh, 80 people, and I think uh, many citizens, they have questions of whether the police, uh, they, uh, they they have legitimate reasons to arrest such a uh, large amount of people, and very obviously, uh, there are some just uh, bystander or people, ordinary people, they just passing by uh, the streets and they are being arrested. And we, we saw uh, there are several uh, news reports that uh, uh, the fans or the, the family members, they, they complain that uh, they, they were just uh, shopping, they, they are just right. walking on the street. M and suddenly they're Mr. Wong, we're, we're having successive waves of the pandemic. We seem to have got through the third wave. We've had experts on the show earlier saying the fourth wave is going to come. 
don't you think maybe organizing these demonstrations and marches and gatherings, uh, which are in breach of the, the health regulations, don't you think we deserve a pause from that? Wouldn't it be in everyone's interest if we, we took a few months off until we got the virus under control? Yeah, I understand uh, your view. Uh, but uh, we also uh, can see that uh, the society is uh, back into the normal and the government there also uh, relaxing, uh, for, for example, they are relaxing uh, for the religious uh, gathering uh, because they consider uh, this uh, the right uh, to, to, uh, to have a uh, religious uh, activities and this uh, basic human rights. And uh, I think protest expressing real freedom of assembly uh, is also basic human rights. So I think it's the time for the government they, uh, to reconsider uh, how to, uh, um, how to uh, fulfill the, the need of uh, uh, public health and also to fulfill the people's, uh, they're very eager to, to uh, express their view uh, for uh, peaceful assembly. And we can see that the government, they, they just banned all the public assembly for, for several months already. I think it's the time for the government to reconsider this policy. But those controls that you were talking, having been relaxed, we've, we've been discussing earlier on the show, that they're going to have to be reintroduced as we monitor the numbers. Uh, sorry, pardon? Well, there, you mentioned that life is coming back to normal, but we're standing by. We're going to have those controls introduced again. If the numbers of the fourth wave start to rise, then yeah, the bars will be closed yeah. again, the restaurants will have some more severe restrictions and so on. Yeah, I understand your view. But uh, you can see that uh, even there is low protest. Uh, we can see that uh, the people, they are back to the Lombo. There are many people on the street. So... Uh, Yes, I think it's the duty for the government how to balance. For example, they designated an area uh, for, for the people uh, to uh, have peaceful assembly. Uh, they impose uh, some measures uh, to uh, fulfill the uh, public health need. And I think it is uh, the way the government, they, they should consider and they should uh, explore. And it shows uh, how the government respects uh, people's uh, uh, rights. Uh, Ronnie Tong uh, said over the weekend that the security law, the national security law, has put Hong, has put SAR uh, back on track. And in her National Day address, uh, Carrie Lam said that uh, stability has been restored in Hong Kong, national security is being protected, people can once again enjoy their basic rights uh, and freedoms. Uh, uh, says that uh, basically Hong Kong uh, is getting better. Hong Kong has now become uh, more peaceful. Stability has been uh, restored. Do you agree? I think uh, the problem in Hong Kong nowadays is not merely a law and order issue. It's a political issue. And uh, I don't think uh, using such passions uh, is not a way to resolve uh, social conflict and political discontent. And uh, you can see that uh, many people, they... They lost the hope uh, in Hong Kong, and we can see that uh, people they they there is a very strong, uh, serious uh, challenge effect uh, on the civil society and even ordinary people when the government they impose the national security law, and uh, our police allow they they are highly militarized, and even and you I think you may observe that uh, even the media liaison of a police officer they also wear tentacles uh, west when they are uh, doing their operations and all our police they just dress like a soldier 
and people they are feeling they are being is threatened. That the government they use a very high-handed approach uh, to handle the political conflict in Hong Kong, and I think there's lots in the public interest, and there's lots of what the Hong Kong people want. All right. Also joining us today is Alan Lunt, Governor of the Path of Democracy. Mr. Lunt, good morning to you. Morning. Thanks for for joining us. Uh, do you agree that a safe and stable environment has been restored to Hong Kong? Well, uh, on the first of October, there was a huge police presence, and you know, they, from the government's point of view, it was successful. Because only took eighty were arrested. This is. Uh, 300 or something mentioned by uh, Mr. Wong on July the 1st. So from, from I, 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 I was consciously trying to avoid Causeway Bay on, uh, on the 1st, but I did drive through Victoria Road and there was a roadblock there at around 5 o'clock, late in the afternoon and far away from the site. So there is a huge police presence during those, all those prevention, preventive measures from a police point of view. So from a, from an average citizen's point of view, we want some peace and, and uh, we want COVID-19 to go away. Uh, so you have to balance the aspiration of the protesters and in the long-term health of Hong Kong, Hong Kong is in more trouble. Having, having been uh, dragged into the uh, geopolitics conflict between U.S. And, uh, and China. So, you know, those those are the things. If you see things from one point of view, you always... If you, you look at wider perspective, there are other things to think, think about, too. Yes. It was interesting that in Portland, uh, people without any uniform at all were taking protesters away in cars. Yeah, I mean the uh, the U.S. State Department. Uh, I know the. Uh, I, I, we know as, as as we we know that that the. Uh, I, I know the uh, the con- uh, U.S. consulate people in Hong Kong quite well. I, I used to see them quite often. You still see them and occasionally. All right, because yeah. there are rules about that now. Or only that only applies to I, government I'm officials. Not an official. There's right. no rule. It only applies to officials, right? Oh, and uh, university staff. It, it doesn't apply to me. Will you, will you keep so, seeing them, or do you feel uh, inhibited from I, talking? I know to them? they they are trying to build links between Hong Kong and uh, and uh, and the U.S. Uh, government at all levels, like this uh, meetings in uh, I, I think in uh, somewhere in the, in the Midwest. Uh, and then in uh, Napa Valley, even uh, even uh, Regina Yip were, were there. They were trying to build links, but I also know that they, 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 they you know, the White House doesn't listen to the State Department, the, the people at the ground at the ground level. So, I mean, the, this accusation by the Hong Kong government uh, accusing the whole State Department. I mean, they they need to know the uh, the real things, real real events that is happening on the ground. That. The White House is out of control. They, 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 the State Department don't know what, what Trump is going to do. So yeah. there's a lot of d- disruption there, too. Sure. Uh, Icarus Wong, what do you make of this uh, fight of well, war of words between the Hong Kong government and, and uh, Washington? 
Sorry, uh, well, sorry, I, I yeah. What, what do you make of this uh, dispute between uh, between Hong Kong government and uh, and Washington? This fight. Uh, I think it's uh, geopolitical issues, and uh, the Hong Kong government, of course, they have to uh, defend uh, their interests, and also uh, the U.S. government, they they have uh, their own interests. But I think uh, Hong Kong as an international uh, city, uh, which is so that uh, how 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 uh, our city is governed uh, in an uh, international perspective, for example, how uh, the policing uh, in public assembly is in line with uh, international human rights uh, standards and uh, people's uh, freedoms and human rights uh, are being respected by the government. But uh, I think uh, in the recent months, uh, there's a terrible trend and uh, people are wearing uh, the freedom uh, in Hong Kong is deterring. For example, uh, the police, they uh, use uh, massive uh, stop and search and mass arrest uh, to deter people to have a public assembly. And also, uh, they use a very militarized uh, style to conduct uh, their operations. And sometimes, I think, uh, sometimes uh, Hong Kong people think that this question that uh, whether we are under the martial law, why the police, they just like soldier uh, on the street and and uh, keep stop and search uh, people. And Mr. Wong, the, the, de- the, ma- de- the demonstration you talked about was not authorized. You applied for a license and it was rejected. So yeah, uh, these under, are unauthorized assemblies. I think uh, under uh, international human rights standards, uh, freedom of uh, assembly is a human right. Yes, but and, it can be restricted yeah. if in certain cases, and public health is one of them. But uh, we, we can see that uh, people, they, they, I, I, I think I, I have uh, reiterated that uh, the Hong Kong government, they should uh, reconsider their policy that uh, not to uh, restrict uh, all the public assembly. And, uh, and it, because uh, this uh, is a human right for people pandemic? to gather and express their view. And uh, we, regarding the pandemic, I think uh, Hong Kong is under very uh, controlled uh, situations. And the government, they are releasing uh, different uh, activities that uh, allow people to go to restaurant, allow people to go to the church. Uh, why? Why the government did just stop all the uh, protests? And, uh, and the government, they can impose, under the law, the government, they can impose uh, certain uh, conditions for the people uh, to, to have a lawful protest, but they refuse to do so. For example, they can limit uh, the number of uh, participants, they can designate uh, a, a place for public assembly, they can uh, impose everyone, they have to uh, wear, wear a mask, which is uh, already uh, under the law required to do so. I think uh, the government, they can show their positive obligations uh, to show that how they respect uh, uh, the people's rights. But a public it's assembly of four people is not really worth it, is it? Uh, I, I think uh, in certain, in, in the daily uh, situations, uh, this is reasonable uh, to maintain social distance. Uh, the government is reasonable to, to impose these uh, measures. And, but uh, when there, there was organizers uh, applied uh, for public 
public assembly uh, to show their intent to organize a public assembly. I think the government, they, they should uh, facilitate and to discuss with them how to uh, maintain the public health and at the same time let the people they express their will. And I, I think it is very important. For, and also, even in the longer run, uh, if this pandemic continues, whether we have to uh, spend all the uh, election or the general election uh, and also suppress uh, restrict uh, all the public assembly, the government they should start uh, looking for the solution and looking for the way how to balance uh, the people's rights uh, and also their public health. Alan Lung, did you want to comment? Comment on on uh, whether to to allow protests in uh, in uh, in a pandemic. Uh, sorry, I thought I, thought I think something must must give. You know, there there must be give and take. If 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 you look at things from one narrow minded, one narrow views, one single views, someone is always right. right. But if you if you were were if they were to look at wider perspective, one day if they want to be, you know, to be uh, participate in the governing process of Hong Kong, they've got to look at the wider perspective and don't insist on narrow things because by doing this, the, the deep yellow will fall into the hands of the deep blue. And I know we, we should, in terms of political events, in Hong Kong, if the deep yellow keep fighting the deep blue, the deep blue is, is sort of doing a JR on the on the teachers and so on, all that sort of thing. It will never end. The only way is if the if the, the blue sides, let's say the more uh, uh, reasonable parties like the uh, Liberal Party, become more centrist party, and the yellow become more centrist, and they're willing to work together. Otherwise, Hong Kong has no future. If we allow, if Hong Kong, the broader Hong Kong, allow the deep blue to continue fighting the deep, deep, uh, deep yellow, there'll be no future for Hong Kong. So don't don't blame other people. You, know, you have some some people, young younger people, like Mr. Wong, has to take on responsibilities. With a public profile, it comes with responsibility to Hong Kong. So they have to consider that, that, that too. Chris Wong? Uh, I, I, I don't think uh, I, I should take a political stand uh, because uh, I'm a West representative of uh, a human rights organization. What uh, I was talking about is how, how the Hong Kong government they are maintaining the uh, international standards, uh, how, how they are policing the assembly uh, in accordance with uh, international human rights standards. And I think it's also important to show that uh, the Hong government, they protect uh, the rights and freedoms of Hong Kong people. And uh, and by this way, I think uh, this can resolve uh, many uh, different social conflicts and also political conflicts uh, that happened uh, in the past years. And this obviously because uh, the government, they they uh, refuse to listen to uh, the people's uh, demand, and they use uh, very such, uh, such, uh, strong suspicions uh, to uh, uh, respond to uh, the people's uh, political uh, discontent. And uh, I think uh, yes, the government they they have to reconsider their way of uh, governing. Mr. Wong, why don't you give us all 
a few months off. Because uh, there always seems to be a reason for a march. Uh, 4th of June, 1st of July, 1st of October, 1st of January and so on. Why don't you have a pause for a few months and let everything calm down? That meets Alan's point about the hardcore yellows and the hardcore blues fighting non-stop and, and ruining Hong Kong's future. Give us a few months off while we fight the pandemic. And then if you, if you want to march on the 1st of July next year, OK. People, people have got their breath back. They've calmed down. I think uh, since the early of uh, this year, the government they already uh, suspend uh, uh, people they uh, to hold protests, and uh, there's a, a, a period of time uh, that people they are not able to uh, gather on the street uh, lawfully, and even they are intend to have a, a peaceful uh, demonstrations or public assembly, and uh, we can see that. Uh, the July 1st, uh, the, sorry, the, the uh, June 4 uh, videos is uh, stopped uh, by the government. And even there, uh, some uh, citizens, they gather, uh, they participate uh, in the uh, assembly. Uh, the government, they, uh, they charge them. And, uh, and also, uh, they put the case uh, to the district court, which is uh, in, in the past. Uh, is a very uh, minimal charge uh, that uh, can be settled by by uh, by by uh, by fines and also the case is usually heard uh, at the magistrate. But nowadays the government take a very uh, aggressive approach that uh, they propose um, these uh, cases to the district court. And you can see that that's how how the government uh, they are governing Hong Kong. They use a heavy charge. Uh, heavy offenses, uh, and also they take a very aggressive uh, uh, in prosecutions. And uh, I think just uh, so give a very warm message uh, to the Hong Kong people uh, that uh, the government uh, they only want to uh, uh, suppress uh, the Hong Kong people and make all Hong Kong people obey to their order. And uh, obviously, there is lots of the meaning of efficiency. Uh, Alan Long, you know, w when you hear uh, Ronnie Tong or, or Carrie Lam saying that, you know, peace has returned to the streets of, of Hong Kong, do you, is that right? Or, you know, is it, I, I, or could you argue that having 6,000 armed police on the streets looks more like uh, martial law than, than uh, peace? I, 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 don't, I don't, I'm not going to defend the police tactic in the past, particularly when they beat up. Uh, uh, people who are undercover. But I would argue that the recent event, that the October 1st event, they have improved. They have the tactic they use is obviously a huge police presence. Their vans parked all along uh, uh, Gloucester Road. And, and high police presence and and they, they, they as, as Mr. Wong uh, described it, they, they reacted very, very quickly. And without resorting to beating people uh, 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 once, even after they are hand handcuffed. I think this is, I see this as some sort of improvement from a very terrible situation where they beat up the uh, protesters, which is totally, totally unacceptable. I think that this is a sign that uh, Caroline is at least have is beginning to have some control over the, over the police, 
Whereas she, she admitted in the Hong Kong club that I have no control of the police. That's what she said in a, to, to a, in, a, in a recorded message. So I, I, I assume that, that uh, she's beginning to learn about politics and she made many, many mistakes. And I hope she's going to stay, whether you like it or not, at least till the end of the term. And I heard from uh, from uh, pro-establishment party we interviewed on the very long-term 2047 project that she meet she there that 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 it is not impossible for her to stay another term. So this is a news that Mr. Wong has to look look into. There is really no alternative from Beijing's point of view other than Carrie Lam. So we have to work. To, to uh, whether you like it or not, Hong Kong ICR government control all public resources, all money, and so on. At, at the Hong Kong Democratic Foundation, I was we were always trained to think policy from the government government views viewpoints. So there's no use blaming the government for not granting children blah 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 and so on. If you do not have some empathy and look at what the government has to face. I mean, the, 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 the political problem is really un, unprecedented. Under British rule, every, all politics were handled, handled by the Brits, including internal politics. Now, how can I say our government to face it all? Not just internal politics. We have to face Beijing. We have to face United States of America. Remember, when Snowden was in, in Hong Kong, we have no, even then, we had no capacity to handle Snowden. And... In, in, in a low geopolitical conflict where Hong Kong was used as a point, come on, give Hong Kong as our government a break. Okay. Um, just a few more comments uh, to uh, finish off. Uh, then uh, Andrew Kay says, instead of asking activists, one ask shopkeepers in Causeway Bay how they liked having their shops open uh, all day. Uh, and uh, Bowen uh, says... Uh, personally, uh, the acid test I will be looking at is whether the non-permanent quarterfinal appeal judges will be leaving on block. If they do, maybe I will leave too. Ronnie Tong is, in my opinion, wrong to say the national security law has put Hong Kong back on track. First, the protests had stopped months before the national security legislation came into effect on the 1st of July. Secondly, the fact that the protests have disappeared does not mean Hong Kong is the same as before. To many people, myself included, the new regime aims to breed a peculiar and hybrid type of law to deal with the so-called national security cases, to be administered by a special select breed of judges who are willing to deviate from common law precepts, something Theresa Cheng has hinted at. Obviously, the Foreign Court of Final Appeal non-permanent judges can see through such manoeuvres and chances are they won't be willing to stay on and lend the system further credibility if they think things are bad enough. So the trials of those few who have been charged with national security offensive, those are the things to watch in the near future. That is uh, from uh, Bowen. Uh, uh, Victoria Ann on Facebook says I'm on Hong Kong Island South, it was pretty empty the whole holiday for obvious reasons and from reading the local news it appears everyone was at Tung Chung, the peak and in uh, Sai Kung and uh, TC says if the government needed to deploy 6,000 officers to maintain the peace unsuccessfully, what was so festive about the PRC National Day uh, anyway uh, thanks very much indeed for those comments on the uh, on Trump and the White House. Uh, Barbara says the White House is becoming a virus house. So horrible. How lucky is Biden not affected by Trump during an hour debate 
uh, on Wednesday. Uh, and uh, John says, so Trump emerged from the hospital to take a spin in his SUV. There are hundreds of thousands of Americans, mostly older Americans, who never came out of the hospital through no fault of their own. But there's really only one person in the entire country who could have actually done something about the virus that he caught but didn't do it. Even to that individual, I say get well because I hope Donald Trump gets his day of reckoning, not from a microscopic entity but from the mass will of his countrymen who have had to bear the brunt of his stupidity. He and his Banana Republic Party will suffer the verdict of history for all the ages roll of ages that's uh, from john thank you very much indeed for for uh, all those comments on uh, uh, email and uh, facebook uh, mike uh, many thanks to you i'm, I'm i've dried out here you've, you've dried out <laughs> many thanks for Raphael for uh, stepping in to uh, help produce the program uh, this morning and uh, here's the weather before we go the amber rainstorm warning has now replaced the red rainstorm warning and uh, half an hour ago they did manage to open the slow lane of the Cross Harbour Tunnel <laughs> towards Hong Kong. That was uh, from Kowloon, which was which had been closed uh, previously. Traffic queues taking time to disperse, they say. So an amber rainstorm warning at the moment, along with a thunderstorm warning. And the forecast, mainly cloudy with showers, those showers heavy at times, and a few squally thunderstorms at first. Temperatures up to about 30 degrees, 26 degrees the latest. Relative humidity now at 96%. Hi, I'm Lazy Lion. To fight this pandemic, don't hold gatherings or join large-scale activities. Event organizers should adopt contingency measures to postpone or cancel events or temporarily close facilities. The public should avoid crowded places as far as possible. Don't host or join gatherings with family and friends. Find an open space to stretch. Social distancing can help prevent the spread of COVID-19. These are the tips for you and me to prevent COVID-19. And 34, the news now with Pierre Tremblay. A respiratory disease expert has warned that there are early signs of a rebound in COVID-19 cases in Hong Kong as he urged the government to better enforce social distancing rules at businesses that have reopened. Dr. Leung Jiu cited the cases of the China Secret Bar in Chim Sa where staff and patrons have been quarantined because two confirmed cases are believed to have been there. President Trump has taken a short car trip to wave at supporters gathered outside the hospital where he's being treated for COVID-19. Mr. Trump appeared in the back of his armored SUV wearing a face mask and waving at well-wishers. Doctors treating President Trump says he's recovering well and might be discharged later today. President Ilham Aliyev of Azerbaijan has asked Armenia to set a timetable for withdrawing from the disputed region of Nagorno-Karabakh as a region as a condition for ending military action. In a televised address, Mr. Aliyev also demanded an apology from Armenia. More news at 10. Stand by for the brew. Uh, sociology prof from the University of Set and Costume Designer, interpreter of Beethoven. And oh, so shy, quiet and retiring doggy council co-founder of Rockefeller Records. Hello. This is a really for adults, it's not really for kids. Good morning. Yeah, well, it's fun, you know. Hello. Decide what's happening behind the lift. Good morning.